Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 1, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. For hundreds of years, people have tried to unravel these mysteries. I've even had people come up to me and recent years and they say, well, you know, well, what about this and what about that? And, you know, I told those people, listen, if you figure this out, I will be visiting you at Holly Hill because this will drive you crazy. Somebody once wrote this. They said the doctrine of election is so deep and rich that if you try and explain it, you'll lose your mind. If you try to explain it away, you'll lose your heart. Do you know there are some things in the Bible that we cannot understand? Get over it. There are some things in the Bible that you will never understand. There are some things in the Bible, let me go one step further. There are some things in the Bible that God doesn't want you to understand. Why? Because it keeps us in a place of humility and and, and it also keeps us in a place of, of understanding that God knows everything and you don't. (gasps) I don't know everything. No, you don't know everything. Memory verse, Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord. Do you know there are some things that God has secret that we don't know, that we'll never know, but I'm okay with that. Because it's the very thing that I, that I don't really understand and things in the Bible that I really don't understand actually keeps me in the place of worship because somebody once rightly said, if God is small enough where you can understand everything about him, then he wouldn't be big enough to worship. Am I right about it? Somebody clap your hands if I'm right about it. Is that right? That's true. So we worship him. And these things are hard to explain and they're, and they're hard to understand because they seem to contradict, don't they? How can God choose at the same time you must choose? Here's a word I want you to know. Antinomy. A-N-T-I-N-O-M-Y. Antinomy. An antinomy, listen to the dictionary's definition. A contradiction or opposition between two laws or rules. A contradiction between principles or conclusions that seem equally necessary and reasonable. The sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man is an antinomy. It's an antinomy. It seems like they don't work together, like they, 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 they contradict, but they don't. Now, what's our position here at Calvary Chapel? Are we Calvinists or are we Arminianists? Listen, we call ourselves here at Calvary Chapel Calminians. Write it down. They are Calminians. We're Calminians. In other words, we see both to be true saints. Listen, God has chosen and picked some to be saved and some will never be saved. 
And we also have the responsibility to choose him. And there are people who say, well, that's not fair. They say it's not fair that God has chosen to pick some and not chosen to pick others to be saved. People have even asked me, they've said, well, how do I know if I'm picked? And I say to them, well, do you want to be saved? And they say, no. I say, well, then you ain't picked. (laughs) You want to be saved? Yeah. Well, then you picked. It's as simple as that. If you leave the day and you don't get saved, then you'll know you weren't picked. But listen, here's the good news. And maybe I can get somebody to say amen. Here's the good news. God wants everybody picked. God wants everybody picked. The Bible says whosoever will let them come. Whosoever will, that's anybody. God wants everybody picked. Everybody. Picked. He wants you picked. Then the question is, do you want to be picked? Because if you want to be picked, then you'll be picked. And if you don't want to be picked, then you won't be picked. But I say pick God because God picked you. But in order for you to be picked, you got to pick. I like the word pick. You want to pick? Pick God. God picked you. God picked you for the foundation of the world. So pick him right now. You want to be picked? Good. Then you're picked. You don't want me picked, you won't be picked. It's as simple as that. I praise God, I'm picked. I praise God, I am picked. I praise God, I'm picked. I praise God, you're picked. Clap your hands and say amen. I'm picked. Love being picked. D.L. Moody said this. He said, I'm sure glad the Lord picked me before I was born because I don't think he would have picked me after I'd done some living. I love that by his grace. I'm chosen, saved, and picked. Somebody say amen and clap your hands. Will you do that? Amen. We're picked, baby. Point number two, people choose God. We're calling that human decision. Y'all still with me? Say amen. Jesus said to Philip, follow me. And it seems Philip obeyed immediately. Not only did Philip follow, but he went and he found Nathanael and told him. And Philip said, Nate, listen, we found Jesus that the Old Testament talked about. Nathanael said, oh, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Now we know that Jesus was from Nazareth. If you're taking notes, you write this down. Nazareth means Sprout Town. I don't know why I think that's funny. Sprout Town. It was a dusty little village. No importance, unsophisticated, forgotten, forsaken, economically, politically, militarily forgotten. Nazareth was off the beaten path. So people from Judea saw the Galileans as backward hicks. And Nathaniel said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip doesn't have an answer, so he simply responds, come and see. Now in this comment, listen, we see the difference between these two guys and their faith level, if you will. Philip seems easy to believe. Jesus said, come on, Philip. Philip followed. Some people are like Philip, aren't they? They're ready to believe, no problem. Some people are like Nathaniel. They need some investigation. They need room. They need to look at it and examine it. Nathaniel, also known as Bartholomew in the scriptures, is more like a skeptic. Nothing wrong with skepticism. Listen, nothing wrong with skepticism. As a matter of fact, I think some people in the church, we need a little skepticism. We are too easily embracing of anything in the church today and everything that glitters ain't gold. Some new thing coming to church. Oh, yeah, it's of God. 
Some new thing blowing in the church. Oh, yeah. Skepticism, a little skepticism is good. Nathaniel was a skeptic. Thomas was a skeptic. Y'all remember Doubting Thomas? Doubting Thomas, he gets a bad rap, doesn't he? Y'all remember the story in John chapter 14, Jesus is standing there and uh, sitting with his disciples and he's telling them, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you where I'm going, you know, in the way you know, and I'm going to prepare a house for you and I'm coming again and receive you unto myself and y'all know where I'm going and so on and so forth. And the disciples all sitting there, all the other disciples sitting there and going, yes, 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 Jesus, yes, Jesus. And Thomas looked at Jesus and said, we do not know what you are talking about. I love Thomas. Thomas goes, what in the world are you talking about? You going somewhere and you coming back and you going to prepare a place and stuff? We want to go with you. What are you talking about? And other disciples are going, yes, they're so spiritual because you always have those people. They're just spiritual. You know what I mean? You know, people, some folks are just spiritual. You know what I mean? They just, yes, 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 Jesus. Yes. Thomas like, what are you talking about? And when Thomas said that, John 14, say, read the story. Jesus said, then, I am the way, the truth, come on, say it with me, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. Thank God for doubting, skeptical Thomas who said, Jesus, we don't know what you're talking about, because in response to that, that's when Jesus gave us the blessed assurance that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him. Nothing wrong with little skepticism. Come on, clap your hands and say, Amen. Nothing wrong with a little skepticism. A skeptic and an unbeliever are completely different. A skeptic can't believe until investigation. Unbelief won't believe. An unbeliever has no intent on believing. Skepticism is honesty. Unbelief is outright stubbornness. Skepticism is looking for light. Unbelief is content to remain in the dark. Thomas was a skeptic. Nathaniel was a skeptic. But here's the good news. Jesus can work with them both. Look at verse 47. Jesus looked at Nathaniel and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed who what you see is what you get. He's a real deal. There's no guile in him. And Nathaniel said, how do you know me? And Jesus said, before the whole conversation, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathaniel said, Rabbi, you are the son of God and the king of Israel. And it's in this moment that divine election and human decision meet. It's in this moment that he believed now, there's a lot of talk and a lot of speculation around this fig tree scene. And I learned something yesterday that I didn't know about this fig tree. Uh, the rabbis, listen, the rabbis uh, described meditation and prayer as under the fig tree. They described it as under the fig tree, meditation and prayer. Uh, that seems to make sense. I, I really haven't fleshed it out of my brain yet, but Israel is symbolic of uh, the fig tree, the symbolism there. And, and, and so it would make sense that the rabbis consider meditation and prayer under the fig tree, under the, the umbrella or the, you know, the banner of the nation of Israel, the nation that God loved in some sense. It just kind of made sense to me, but... 
But, but, but obviously something in our story happened under the fig tree that only God and Philip knew about. Maybe something deep and personal happened under this fig tree. Maybe something Philip had been praying about and God showed up. Jesus said, I am privy to what happened under that fig tree. Nathaniel said, wow, you are the king of Israel. You're the real deal. And in verse 50, Jesus said, because I saw you under the fig tree, you believe. Jesus said, if you haven't, you haven't seen anything yet. Fast forward to next week, chapter 2. Nathaniel and the other disciples are with Jesus. He does his first miracle in Nathaniel's hometown, Canaan of Galilee. Later throughout the ministry of Jesus, he, Nathaniel, experiences 36 more miracles. He's going to see the blind see and the deaf hear and the lame walk and the dead live again. And that's what Jesus meant when he said, greater things you will see. Now, something I want you to see, notice Philip, we have, he said, we have found the Messiah, the one that Moses talked about and the prophets wrote about. I love the tone here because Philip is excited. It seems that his eyes are open to the scripture. His eyes are opening to how the whole Bible fits together. It seems like this is the point that Philip is falling in love with the scriptures. Listen, I love that because I think this is the way it happens for all true believers. True believers fall in love with the B-I-B-L-E. Am I right about it? Where my people at? Say amen. You fall in love. I'll wait while you clap your hands. It's all right. True believers fall in love with the Bible. True believers love God's word. True believers are excited about God's word. True believers can't get enough of God's word. Why? Listen, if you have no desire to read God's word, you might want to check in. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. That's not natural. For you not to desire to read God's word, that's not natural. That's not natural. What is natural is that you desire to read God's word, that you want to read God's word because God's word, because the Holy Spirit is living with inside of you. And the Bible says that the job of the Holy Spirit is to testify of Jesus. So if we're, the job of the Holy Spirit is to testify of Jesus, then we find the life of Jesus in this book. The Holy Spirit is going to be driving you and giving you a desire and a hunger for the things in this book. If you don't desire this book, something's wrong. That's not natural. Spurgeon said a Bible that's fallen apart probably belongs to someone who isn't. Isn't that great? That means it's well-worn. It's read, it's been used, it's been applied, it's been outlined, it's been underlined. I hope you never get out of that, never get out of excitement about the Word of God. You know, honestly, when I first became a Christian, I remember people telling me, I've, I've always been excited about the Word of God. I mean, I got saved, I was excited about the Word of God. You know, y'all got no more testimony. I was excited about the Word of God the day I got saved, and, and I uh, have been uh, ever since. And, and I have to admit, I was probably annoying when I first became a Christian, a uh, little bit. I kept telling people they were going to hell, and I was wondering why nobody wanted to talk to me, and uh, I didn't get it. And, um, <laughs> and I uh, 
you know, but I love God's word. And I was always telling people about God's word. And, and I remember people telling me like way back then, we're talking 30 years ago, people would tell me, oh, you know, you'll cool off, you know, you'll, you know, you'll cool off, you'll settle down after a while. And they're patronizing me and whatever, you'll cool off. And I'm like, you know what, honestly, it has been 30 years and I have not cooled off. As a matter of fact, thank you. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, I am more excited about the word of God today than I was 30 years ago. I, I, I know more about the word today. So when somebody says something crazy, I might have to get witch. I'm just kidding. But I love God's word and you should love God's word. And, and I'm shocked, honestly, when Christians don't love God's word. That I don't understand. Thank you, sister. Amen. I'm going to preach this thing. (laughs) Yes, sir. I'm shocked at Christians who are not excited about God's word, but they're more excited about the newest movie. I've heard more this week about Sky Falling. (laughs) Pastor Rodney, have you seen Sky Falling? Pastor Rodney, have you seen Sky Falling? Oh, you need to see Sky Falling. You need to see Sky Falling. I'm like, what in the world? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all, you know what I'm talking about? James Bond. James Bond. Y'all like, oh, okay. <laughs> but now you know, what? Is Sky in the, Sky, yeah, Sky Falling. Like, ain't, nothing attra- ain't nothing attractive about the title. I don't see something about Sky Falling. That's not good news. <laughs> Is that good news? That's not good news, man. It's like, oh, yeah, go see Sky Falling. Oh, yeah, what? You want to depress me? I'll walk out of here and go, like, oh. <laughs> Sky fall? That's not good news. We're all people are all excited about sky fall. The movies. Oh man, you gotta go see this. You gotta go see that. I've never, no, not never, in all my thirty years, had somebody get so excited about the word of God. They read the word. Hey, Pastor Rodney, have you read John twenty, uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven? God knows the thoughts that He thinks towards you. The thoughts of good, not of evil. They give you a future and a hope. Man, Pastor Rodney, you gotta read that. You gotta read that. I'm gonna get you a ticket. I don't see that happening. Why? I don't understand that. We as Christians, we need to be excited about the word of God. This is where we find Jesus. This is where we say we, 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 we get life. And this is what we say that we live by. We need to be more. Um, don't get me wrong. My point is not I'm dog and sky falling. And that's not my point. My point is we need to be excited about the things of God. Somebody say amen. Clap your hands. Would you do that? We need to be excited about the things of God. Now, look, I'm coming in for a landing because I'm tired of preaching now. Verse 50 through 51. Jesus said, look at verse 50. Because I saw you under the fig tree, you believe you're going to see greater things than these. You're going to see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Jesus is reaching back 2,000 years ago. And a story that this little Jewish boy, Nathaniel, would be very familiar with, Genesis 28, you might want to write that down, the story of Jacob, who stole the birthright from his brother Esau. And he was found out and he ran away from home and he's been running so long, he was exhausted in the middle of the desert. He sat down and in exhaustion, he fell asleep on a rock and he was tired and he felt abandoned by God and abandoned by man. And while sleeping on the rock, he had a vision of angels coming down to the earth and going back up to heaven. So in this vision, he sees all this traffic 
from earth to heaven. And he said, Genesis 28, read it. Great story. He said, wow, God is in this place. And I didn't know it. Did you get that? The surroundings are barren and rocky and dry and Jacob is worn out physically and his circumstances are not good personally and yet God is still with him presently. Jesus is with you. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Look at verse 51. Jesus said, you will see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Jesus is simply saying, I am the link. I am the ladder. I am the mediator between God and man. Jesus is the go-between, the one who connects heaven and earth. Jesus is saying, I am that bridge. I am that stairway to heaven. Wasn't it Job who said, I wish that there was someone who, who could put his hand on me, on man, and put his hand on God, and so that there would be a go-between. Job called it a daysman. Job said, I wish there was a daysman, a mediator, someone that, 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 that could touch man and touch God, and we can make it into the presence of God. And here it is, 1,500, 2,000 years later, Jesus comes on the scene, and he says, I am the mediator. I am am the ladder. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me, the link. I am the ladder. Somebody need to clap your hands and say amen right there. Yes, sir. Jesus opens heaven for us. And if Jesus hadn't died on that cross, we could no more get to heaven than trying to jump from earth to heaven. Did you hear me? That means you can't jump from earth to heaven. So if Jesus had not made a way, are you listening? If Jesus had not made a way and become that mediator, that ladder, that link, that go-between, that daysman, we could not get to heaven. It would be impossible. Say amen be impossible. Well, thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. So, we're coming for a landing. Chapter 1, already in John's Gospel, we've learned 10 titles for Jesus. These titles are important because they tell us who a person is and they tell us why he was treated the way he was and why he was tortured and killed. Ten titles for Jesus right here in John chapter 1. Look at verse 1. The Word. In the beginning was the Word. Look at verse 1 again. And the Word was God in verse 1. And in verse 9, the true light was coming into the world. He's the light. And then in verse 17, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. See that? Jesus Christ, that's his name. In verse 29, the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Verse 38, rabbi, he's called a rabbi. And they said to him, rabbi, teacher, where are you staying? Verse 41, Messiah. We have found the Messiah, the Christ. He's the son of God. Number eight, verse 49, you are the son of God. 
Number nine, the king of Israel in verse 49. You are the king of Israel. And then finally in verse 10 or verse 51, number 10, you're the son of man. You will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Listen, Jesus died that you might be picked. I told you I like that word. He died that you might be picked. Tell you this story and I'm going to let you go. I said that 10 minutes ago too then. Uh, a young black kid, listen to this, this young black kid in Memphis, Tennessee, who wanted to join a conservative fundamental church and the elders asked him, said, how did you get saved? And he answered, I did my part and God did his part. The elders thought they had him. So they asked him, what was your part and what was his part? And the boy replied, my part was sitting. I ran from God as fast as these rebellious legs would take me and my sinful heart would lead me. I ran for him, but you know, he done took out after me and he done run me down. <laughs> Isn't that true? I'll wait while you clap your hands. Isn't that true? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.